Well, good morning. Uh, thank you all for being here this morning at 8.30. I know it's early for, for some. And uh, I know there's a lot of good class options as well. And so thanks for, for coming here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, in teaching this morning and uh, tomorrow morning, I have a couple goals. Uh, one of my goals is to talk about uh, what does it look like for a church to be located in a city, and, and we'll talk all about that. <clears throat> but another goal is that I, I want to connect with other church leaders who are leading churches in urban environments. And so, um, you know, if that's you, I assume that's probably you. That's probably why you came. Um, I want to I get to know you, and I want to I stay in touch with you um, because um, those of us who lead churches in big cities or urban areas, we need to stick together. Uh, we need one another <laughs> because some of the challenges that, that we face um, are, are kind of unique and uh, unique to, to us. And so we need kind of one another to help one another through that. So I'm glad you're here for that reason alone. And I look forward to talking with you afterwards if, if I haven't already and staying in touch with you. I want to begin by uh, just telling, telling you a little bit about myself and a little bit about my history. So I grew up in a, a small town. I grew up in Searcy, Arkansas. And at that time, about fifteen to 20,000 people was our population. When I was in college, I uh, felt God nudging me towards ministry. And I didn't know exactly what that looked like, but, but I felt like that probably meant getting out of the Bible Belt getting out of Arkansas, Texas, and Tennessee. Um, and so I started pursuing that. So when I was at Harding, I started meeting with a church planting team that was forming to go plant a church up in New Jersey. Didn't work out because of timing and some other issues, but that was kind of where my heart was, where I was thinking. Moved over into grad school, and I still had this desire for church planting. So we approached another couple there in grad school and said, hey, why don't you, let's join together and plant a church out in the, in the West. And uh, they said no. So uh, God spoke very clearly there and <laughs> that didn't work out. So then I felt like, well, maybe God is, is pointing me towards preaching. So I started looking uh, towards some preaching opportunities and I interviewed at four churches. I interviewed at a church in Connecticut, a church in uh, New York, a church in Michigan. Do you see the theme here? Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then I interviewed at a church in Fort Worth, Texas. And I thought, I'm not going to move to Fort Worth because uh, I want to get outside the Bible Belt. Uh, I'll just go interview because this will give me practice, right, on, on how to go through an interview. And uh, I knew uh, the person who was the preacher there before, and I just, I'll, I'll just do this. Well, so I go to Fort Worth, and I had an, I had an epiphany that while on one level I still was technically in the Bible Belt, because I was in Texas, um, when you go into the urban areas, when you go into the city, you are no longer in the Bible Belt. I had that awakening. And the church at that time, they were ready to view their neighborhood as a mission field. And, and they were wanting... A, a preacher to come in to lead them into being a missional church that's engaging its neighborhood, engaging its city. And I felt God calling me to do that. So I never got outside Texas, Arkansas, or Tennessee, at least not yet. Um, but I don't feel like I'm in the Bible Belt where I am because I'm in an, an urban environment. And, and it's my contention, and this is my belief, and, and, and I'm going to lay this out over the next two classes, it's my contention that what our fellowship needs more of is we need more churches, more vibrant churches, whether that, those churches are planted or whether they're revitalized, more vibrant churches that are located in urban areas, more vibrant churches in cities. What I would call city churches. It's a moniker that we use at our church at Southside, that we want to be a city church. And here's what I mean by city church. This is a definition that I have come up with. A local body of Christ that is seeking to learn, love, 
and embrace the city in which it is situated. Now, there's three parts to this definition that I want you to think through with me. Number one, a city church is located in an urban environment. So it's not a rural church, it's not a suburban church, but it's an urban church. It's located in a place where there's a lot of population density. Okay. Uh, number two, it's a church that is embracing the city. And what I mean by embracing, I mean it's a church that welcomes everyone from that city to be a part of its church. Everyone. And we're going to talk about that, about what that means. But it's not for a specific segment of the population. It's not for a, a specific uh, group, but it's for everyone in the city. And then number three, um, it's, a, it's a church that is learning and loving the city in which it is situated. And so it's a church that's for the city. It's not against the city. It's not trying to retreat from the city. It's not trying to build up walls and, and keep the city out. But it's, it's a church that is, that is for the city and loves the city and is learning and, and loving it. So, so that's what I, when I use the term city church, this is what I mean. And I believe that we need more city churches. And I'm committed to doing whatever I can to encourage more city churches to develop, more vibrant city churches. And that's why I wanted to teach this class. That's why I wanted to get to know some of you guys. And, and the reason why I think we need more city churches is uh, because of about four reasons. Number one, because our world is becoming more and more urban. Uh, more people live in urban areas now than they do in rural areas. That threshold was crossed several years ago. And it's just gonna grow, grow, and grow. People, when they graduate college, they, they move to urban areas because that's where the jobs are. And that's where the education is. That's where the culture is. Um, there's research out there about how in the future, we're not gonna think of the world in terms of nation states. We're gonna think of the, the world in terms of cities because cities are gonna have that much power and culture making ability. And so because the world is moving to urban areas, uh, we need more city churches. Number two, um, identity crisis established. There's a lot of churches maybe that were started in like the 40s or 50s and um, have now found themselves in decline and their neighborhoods have changed, their contexts have changed and they're throwing up their hands saying, what, what do I do? What do we do? And, um, and my response is, well, I think you need to make a turn towards mission and, and become a city church. Move from a church that's just maintenance, just kind of taking care of one another, to a church that is learning, loving, and embracing the city. And so I, I think that is the movement we need to make. Number three lack of urban understanding and faith heritage. So our roots in Churches of Christ is largely rural. And uh, I mean, I grew up in a small, small town church. Most of the older people in my, in my current church, they grew up in a small town, in a, a church in a small town. And so that, that's just a lot of the roots that we come from. And so we're not really familiar with what does it look like to be a church in the city. And, and we, we need to figure that out. Because the way I, I look at our trajectory, you know, we, our roots are in rural, and then people started moving to the suburbs, and so we, we started having large suburban churches. And then in the 90s, um, people realized, wow, in the, in the inner core of cities, there's a lot of poverty, and so we need to start planting churches for the poor. And so we had all these inner city ministries that started popping up in Nashville and Memphis and uh, Fort Worth and Dallas and all these different places around the United States. Well, I think there's a fourth movement now, and the fourth movement is city churches. Um, people are moving back to the city, and so we need churches that are, are learning and loving and embracing the whole city, not just churches for the poor, not just churches for the middle class, but churches that embrace the whole city. Um, I think that's where we, need, where we need to move more and more. And then number four, um, the flight of churches. Um, so it's documented. In fact, I'm going to show you some stuff on this that you know, churches have moved out. And, and it's, they, they've closed their doors or they've relocated out of the city, trying to flee the city. And, and what's interesting about that dynamic is now is the time that people are moving back into the city. And maybe you've noticed that where you are. But it's because of these reasons that um, I argue that we need more uh, city churches. Let me just talk a little bit about my context 
and just so you can kind of know where I'm coming from, I mean, I live in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, you might not know this, but it's the 14th largest city in the United States. Um, pretty soon it might be the 13th or the 12th. It's uh, largely growing. In Fort Worth, a lot of people think we're just a suburb of Dallas. Um, we're not, and that we don't like people calling us that way. <laughs> uh, Ellen DeGeneres gave a chunk of money to a elementary school in Fort Worth, and she said uh, that she gave money to a school near Dallas, and we did not like that. Because <laughs> we're, we're not Dallas, we're Fort Worth. We're a city in our own right. Um, we're in one of the large, fastest growing metro areas in the United States to the point where there's over two million people in the county which I live in. So to put that in perspective uh, for you, I grew up in a state that at the time had about two million people. And now I live in a county with that many people. So that just shows you the, 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 the shift there. And, and so the way I understood church in, in a rural setting and the way that church is going to be where I am now, it's going to be different. It's going to look a little bit different, right? Because I'm in a place where there's a lot of population density. There's a lot of people around us. Uh, and then uh, lastly, um, there's a lot of urban core development. And this is, this is happening in large cities everywhere um, where what they're wanting to do is develop the area right around downtown. And so as we speak, right at this moment, they are building dozens, if not hundreds, of duplexes and apartment complexes and, and all of these different lofts and other uh, residences right around the downtown area because they want people to move back into the city. Um, and, they're, and they're noticing that, that there's a, a trend there. Um, millennials uh, are not as... In, there was an article that came out in the Wall Street Journal called No, no uh, McMansions for Millennials. Uh, millennials are not as interested in having the big square footage and the big huge yard, you know, out on, out, you know, on the ranch kind of thing. They, they want smaller square footage. They want to be in a neighborhood where they can walk to the grocery store or walk to the restaurant or walk to wherever they're wanting to go. They want to be able to commute, have a very short commute to work. And so what we're seeing is a lot of people moving back into urban areas. And, uh, and we're seeing this in Fort Worth. Um, and, and about, I think it was about a year ago, they made an announcement that over the next two years they were going to build about 500 to 700 different residences within about one to two miles of our church building. Now let's put that in perspective. 500 to 700 res residences, um, you know, if a family lives in one of those residences, you know, maybe that's three or four people. I mean, you're looking at thousands of people that are going to be moving like within a mile of our building. I mean, that's almost like the city in which I grew up in, right? That's going to be within one mile of our church building. So I'm just pointing out that that the context in which I live in, it's a large city where there's a lot of population density and it's growing particularly in the urban core of the city. Um, our church um, started in 1892. It's over 125 years old. And what's interesting about, about our church is that it, it's always been located in the same neighborhood. Now, it's not always been the same building. The building we're in now is started in, or was built in 1959, but the building right before that was just a mile away. So our church has always been in the same neighborhood, and it's always, always been a part of the near south side of Fort Worth. That's just a part of our DNA, that we are located in this place. The zip code that we're in, 76110, is the densest zip code in Fort Worth. It has the most people in the smallest amount of area in Fort Worth. Um, and within three miles of our building is over 100,000 people. And so uh, that's a lot of people within three miles. And, and I'm, I'm giving this as an example, you know, whether it's Chicago or whether it's L.A. or whether it's, you're dealing with the same dynamics, right? The same kind of, where there's a lot of people in a small amount of area right around your building. And so what does that mean for us and how do we respond to that? Here's a map of Fort Worth. It's not a great map, but <clears throat> I screenshotted this. Um, so this point right here is, our, is Southside Church of Christ. This is a three-mile radius of our building, okay? Let me just 
show you show you the the neighborhood in which we reside. Okay, so up about a mile or two north of us, that's downtown, where people come to work and where they're building all kinds of apartments and residences. You go to the left, and this is one of the most wealthiest neighborhoods in Fort Worth. This is uh, TCU, mm -hmm. uh, which is a Division I uh, school. Um, you, you move down this area. This is a largely Hispanic area. In fact, there's this really nice Hispanic mall that's located right about here called the Grand Plaza. You move over this direction. This is largely an African-American uh, neighborhood. If you go up here, right there, to Lancaster Avenue, that is where all the homeless shelters in Fort Worth are located. There's another university right here, Texas Wesleyan University. There's also Tarrant County College, which means downtown. And you get a flavor for how diverse this is? And, and all the different kinds of people. And that's over 100,000 people. Now, so this is like the same size as Abilene, Texas. 100,000 people. This is all within three miles of our building. Um, let me show you this. Um, if you can see these these white things right here, do you see this? Can y'all see that? Mm -hmm. I know the contrast isn't great. Um, those are, um, in the 1950s, those were congregations of Churches of Christ. There's about 15 of them in that area. Um, just about every corner there was one. Well, today, I can move this forward here. Um, you might notice some of them dropping off. Today, this is what's left. Um, there's about five, five, I counted correctly. And, and most of them are um, small and struggling. Now, we've developed a relationship, so here's us. We've developed a relationship with these two, um, and we partner with them, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I show you that graphic. To, to illustrate two things. Number one, we're in an urban context. Uh, number two, it, it, it's diverse. I'm going to talk more about that. But number three, churches have moved out. They've either closed their doors and moved out. And so we find ourselves in a unique situation where we're in a mission context. We're in the city, and we want to think through how, how do we be a church in the city? How do we become a city church? Well, that's what I've been thinking about over the past 12 years, because I've been at Southside for 12 years. And I've been trying to think this through and, and, and lead the church in this way. And, and so really, I just kind of want to offer some reflections on that um, to all of us, and then maybe we can also have some discussion if we have some time. Um, so first of all, I want to I think about biblically and theologically, what can I draw from when it comes to being a church uh, in the city? So there's a few texts that I've, I've learned to lean on. Um, first of all, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. This is the, the text where Jeremiah writes to the exiles who are located in Babylon, and they're in a foreign city, and they're trying to figure out what do we do, and how do we live, and how do we function. And uh, you know, Jeremiah says, Seek the welfare of the city, where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its, in its welfare you will have welfare. And that word welfare, as many of you probably already know, is the word shalom, right? Mm -hmm. And so what are, what are we to do? We're, we're in the middle of this three-mile radius of over 100,000 people, which I didn't say this, that it, during the workday that balloons up to 250,000 because people come into that area to work. Um, what do I do in this three-mile radius? How, how do I respond to this? Well, seek the shalom of the city. That's what you do. And I, I like to use this phrase, it's from James Davison Hunter's book, To Change the World, faithful presence. Like, that's what we need, that's what a city church is. A city church is a faithful presence. It's present in the city, learning and loving and embracing the city, but it's faithful, faithful to what God desires. And so, we want to be a faithful presence. Number two, Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is an is a interesting psalm. There's a refrain in that psalm where the psalmist thanks God for his steadfast love. And he gives all these different reasons why to thank God for his steadfast love. 
And one of those reasons is for the city in which they live. It says he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. And, and this psalm has been helpful to me because the fact that I live in a city, that's a good thing. And the fact that God has, has brought me to this city, that's a good thing. And the fact that we're situated in a neighborhood within this city, that's a good thing. And I should be thankful to God for that. I should be thankful for the city in which I live in. And, and am I that way? Do I thank God for Fort Worth? Do I thank God that we're located on the near south side of Fort Worth? The psalmist challenges us there to have a thankful spirit for our city. And then number three, um, Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. I preached on this text a few years ago and I entitled it God's Livable City. And you see all these uh, lists of the most livable city in the United States. And... Uh, and you have all, you know, the top ten cities in the United States. And they use different criteria of who has the best education, who has the best entertainment, who has the best property values, all those kinds of things. Well, I raise the question, what would be God's list? If he was choosing the most livable city, what would be the criteria God would use to determine what is a great city? And I think Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4 give us that list says they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. It talks about in that text that God's livable city is where uh, sorrow has been turned to joy and where mourning has been turned to gladness and where the captives have been set free and, uh, and where the, the blind can see. And it gives this long list. And I said, that, that's, that's God's livable city. That's what God wants. And how does that come about? Does it come about through politics or education or um, police or crime reduction? Well, that, maybe that's part of it, and certainly God can use those areas. But this text is quoted by <clears throat> who? Who quotes this text? In Luke 4, Jesus. As he launches his ministry, he quotes this, and he says, this is the ministry that I'm going to do. And so... This has been challenging to me because what, what Isaiah 61 says to me is this is what our church should be about. We should be about bringing God's livable city. We should be doing the ministry of Jesus, bringing about what God desires in our city. We join with him as his people, doing the ministry of Jesus here. And then number four, uh, Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. Um, there's only two times in the Gospels as you know, that Jesus cried. One was in John chapter 11 over Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. This is number two. And he cries over a city. He's going into an urban environment, Jerusalem. He cries over that city because he's concerned for it. And, and so I wonder, you know, have we ever cried over our cities? Have we ever wept over the urban environments where we are? Have we ever prayed? Have we ever gotten on our knees and prayed for Fort Worth or Chicago or L.A. or wherever we are? I think this text reminds us that we need to have that heart that yearns for our city to know uh, Jesus. Um, some theological thoughts. Um, you, know, you turn to the book of Acts and the gospel spread through engaging urban areas. Paul goes to Antioch and Ephesus and Rome and Jerusalem. I mean, these are all large urban environments, and I think there's something to be said there that the gospel, when it goes to a city, it can spread out throughout a whole region. That's why we need city churches. Tripper Longman, in his book, he says, it is easy to see that the mission strategy of the early church was to evangelize the city. It's no exaggeration to say that in Acts, the church is almost exclusively associated with the city. And, and can we say that today? Is the church exclusively associated with the city? Or do we have churches in cities, vibrant churches? I was up in uh, Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul area a few years ago, and we were staying downtown. And so I I'm looking for the nearest Church of Christ. And you know, guess where it was? Ten miles outside of downtown, right? Um, and I think that dynamic would probably be in many large cities. 
Um, if we have a congregation in that city, it's going to be out on the outskirts. And so I think this challenges us to think through. We, we need churches that are in the middle of these urban, city, in urban centers because the gospel spreads from there. Rodney Stark, in his book about the early church and how, how they grew, he says, To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offers charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. To cities filled with widows and orphans, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires, and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. In other words, what Rodney Stark was saying, the reason why the early Christians grew is because they looked at the city in which they lived in and they learned, loved, and embraced it. And whatever they could do to minister to that city, to show mercy to that city, and do justice to that city, they did, and people were attracted to the church. And so if we can be churches for the city, I think that's what's going to happen today. Let me mention a couple more thoughts, and then I'll pause. Um, Albert Moeller says, if the Christian church does not learn new models of urban ministry, we will find ourselves on the outside looking in. The gospel of Jesus Christ must call a new generation of committed Christians into these teeming cities. We've got to, we've got to learn new models of how to do this. Um, we've got to learn how to bring the gospel into these city areas. Otherwise, he says, we're going to be on the outside looking in. And then Tim Keller Tim Keller is probably the one who's written the most about being a city church in his book, Center Church. He says, never before has it been so important to learn how to do effective ministry in cities, and yet, by and large, evangelical Christianity in the United States is still non-urban. It's because of this sentiment that I said earlier, I want to connect with you guys, because we've got to stick together, because a lot of times the conversation among ministers are about suburban issues. Y'all like amen? amen. Okay, thank you. Uh, suburban or rural issues. Um, we need a place to think through urban issues. And, um, and he says, it's so important. I mean, it's so important to do that. If we don't do this, we're going to miss out on a great opportunity that our culture is, is, is bringing about for us as people move to the cities. So what I've been trying to do with all of this is just make a case that what we need to be thinking about collectively is how to be churches in the city, how to become city churches, um, to make that argument. Let me just pause here and, and take, let's take just a couple minutes. And What's your reactions? What's your feedback? What, what's resonating with you? What, what did you want to maybe explore a little further? Give me a, so a, a, your more detailed definition of urban. Well, and that, that word, that's a good question. That word sometimes has been viewed negatively as kind of just a, uh, a place of poverty. If you remember the old, we're going to do urban ministry. What we meant by that was we're going to go minister to the poor. I would have a, a wider view of, of urban. I would have a sense of just a place where there's a lot of population density in a small area. Um, where there's where it's a large large city, um, there could be pockets of, of urbanness in many different places. So, yeah. Any thoughts on think about your situation? Your congregation was there before it became urban. Right. It seems like in in places like New York City or wherever, part of the problem is. How do you get space for a church? How do you, you know? Yeah. Uh, are, are we talking, you know, going into strip malls? I mean, I mean what what sort of thing? Because you know, strip malls in New York City. But, uh, how do you get past that problem? Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess the <laughs> my first thought is I don't know. Um, and I'm going to mention that just a little bit later that. Real estate is a, is a huge issue in the city. And, uh, and so thinking through creatively how to use real estate, um, I think is going to be a, a big issue moving and, and, forward. And rescuing real estate before it disappears. 
Yeah. Um, in, in Detroit, we are blessed to have, still have, some pretty functional facilities and churches in the urban core. I mean, within a mile of downtown Detroit, we have a church that will seat nearly 2,000. Mm -hmm. African-American churches are not that big. And I've just been talking with them. How are you guys going to reach the new population that's coming in? Because mm -hmm. the new population that's coming in is largely white, largely millennial. And how are you going to reach them? Mm -hmm. And they're starting to struggle with that now. Yeah. But the facility's there. And we have, you know, within the city of Detroit, which we would consider the urban core, uh, we have a, about 12 churches. And so, you know, we haven't lost that. But some of them are teething. Right. And so how do you at least preserve a space? I, I preached at a church in Dearborn, Michigan, which was right on the... the the border of Detroit, now in what's called Little Arabia. And uh, I was the last full-time preacher there. I was trying to get them to catch the vision to become an urban church, mm -hmm. become a city, city church. church. Yeah. They, the day their rural roots were so strong that, and some racial issues as well, they wouldn't even reach three blocks to Detroit, much less their Muslim neighbors. Right. And they ended up closing. Yeah. So, and, and that was lost. And now we have somebody who's actually actively reaching out and trying to plant a church in that area with Muslims, and he's having trouble finding the space. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, you bring up several good points. I mean, the dynamic you're talking about, it's happened, I mean, it happened in Fort Worth, it's happened everywhere. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm saying, yeah. I, I don't want to learn love and embrace the city, and so therefore I end up dying. Exactly. Um, but you're also, y'all, I mean, Timothy, you're right that we've got to think through real estate and, and, how, and how can we continue <coughs> to use what we have. Yes. I was going to say just uh, so I'm going to, I'm moving to uh, Chicago in a month uh, to become a, a minister of the church there. And uh, there isn't the, the thing about the space our building isn't very big. And I think we do need to think differently about our models of church as far as so there's like 77 neighborhoods in Chicago. One of the things we're very worried uptown, and uh, so one of the things we think consciously about is we're a church for that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And to really think, not necessarily, we've got to go to the city. There, there could be places for four or five hundred person churches in the city. That'd be awesome and great. But thinking also about, hey, there's fifty to sixty thousand people within this one and a half square mile area, and having a hundred person church there, fifty hundred person church there, and in you know, several neighborhoods throughout is, I think, a better way to think about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. So we have to think in terms of maybe more churches that are smaller. And, you know, there's the house church movement and all that, which, is, which are options as well. But I think thinking differently about kind of what, our, what a church looks like yeah. in the city especially. Because you're right. Real estate is crazy. They're <laughs> trying to say we're going to get a big old building with a big parking lot. It's just not feasible. Not feasible. But and I, and I appreciate you know that's what I said about the three mile radius. I mean that's kind of what we've done is we've said okay this is our neighborhood this three mile radius we're we're going to minister here. I mean we're not going to avoid the other parts of our city, but that's going to be our target. I think that is really helpful because I mean you could just be overwhelmed. I mean there's. Two million people in my county. I mean, you can be overwhelmed with that. And so I think that's a good thought. Yes? Um, I actually work in downtown Phoenix. I'm an intern with the Missionaries Planting Church in downtown Phoenix. And we work at a house church because we, um, like you guys said, like real estate is crazy. So we rent a house in downtown Phoenix, and it's green, and it's called the Greenhouse. Mm -hmm. So since it's painted green, it's pretty, like, noticeable to people. <laughs> So we have like several ministries where we operate out of the house and we have Sunday morning services, like bilingual services. But um, it's just, I think that's a really good way to do it because the way that we are operating it, a lot of people are way more comfortable coming to like a house environment to meet with people mm -hmm. than coming to a church. Because a lot of people have been scared off of by religion or by like organized you know, stuff. So I just feel like it's a really like welcome environment for people. That's good. Really and that and that's a creative use of real estate. That's a good, good comment. Yes? Um, if one of my members were here, they might say something like, 
you know, our church has been in downtown Austin for a hundred years. Uh, we we sponsor a children's home. We have a homeless ministry on Wednesday nights. We're loving our city, uh, but nobody's coming. Mm. Uh, we we don't have visitors very much. We don't have uh, new baptisms or people committing to the faith. Uh, so we're loving our city and embracing our city. Why isn't anything happening? Mm -hmm. I think they might, if they were sitting right here. That might be their response. Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you speak to that? Well, that's a good, that's a good question, you know. Um, and I, um, I'm not, not exactly sure. I think maybe part of it, too, and I'm going to mention this in just a little bit. You know, we can, we can serve and we can bless and we need to do that, but we also have to speak truth, you know, and so there's an aspect there of, you know, are we, are we, are we articulating the gospel? Um, and, and, you know, also the welcoming aspect. Are we, are we welcoming our neighbors to where they feel um, a part and they feel like they can be a part of our church, you know? And so thinking through the welcome aspect of it. Um, I mean, urban areas are more secular. I mean, I think that's why we have to look at it as we're not in the Bible Belt. Yes. When we're when we're in these places, um, and so I mean, you're not in the Bible Belt, even though you're in Austin, Texas, where there's a ton of other churches of Christ and other churches beyond that. You're not in the Bible Belt where you are, and so you have to get your church thinking like that. And we're going to talk more about how to get your church thinking like that tomorrow. So you need to come back tomorrow for that. <laughs> yeah, Rex. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's a couple things. Um, I I love the embrace of the city. I think, you know, in different regions, there's differences. I live in, in a county of 600,000 people, suburban Philadelphia area. The city's moving out to us, and um, so right across from our church building is the apartment complex. Almost all the residents that live there are transplants from the city. They're Section 8. Mm. HIV, positive, past drug use. And so, and part of the challenge, it's, it's not, thankfully for us, not a, a racial or just anything, any malady like that, but the, the lack of skills, how do you help? Mm -hmm. This is what we're having to learn. How do you help people who have lived Gener generational poverty, right? The addictions in the the various behaviors and ways of thinking that, that come with that. Where we're in a church that we're in a college town, University of Delaware, and it's had a thriving university ministry, and and there's just a those two worlds are. They're coming together, but they're clashing. Also, yeah. Because you, over here, you have the educated, functional. Here, you have the uneducated, dysfunctional. Yes. The conglomerate that we're living in. And, and I think, I think that is one of the critical issues of a city church, right? Because it because if you're just focusing on one demographic, mm -hmm. right? If you're just a church of the poor, or if you're just a church of college students, or if you're just a church of families, you know you don't have to do it. But I, I think this is where the gospel really really shines, right? I mean, I mean the gospel creates a new humanity. It cre it it brings the two into into one. It it creates this new community. And so I think reconciliation. So I, I don't want to give up on that dream. I want, I want to, and so I think city churches have an opportunity to really demonstrate that and to say, you can come to a church and on, on one side of the pew is going to be a college student and on the other side of the pew is going to be a guy who was sleeping outside last night. And, and there's going to be a family and there's going to be a single person and there's going to be a doctor and there's going to be a wage earner and, and we're all here and we all share communion together and we're all the body of Christ. You know, that's just a powerful demonstration of the gospel and city churches can be that but you're right Rex that requires some work and yeah. thinking that through and, and, I, and I want to talk some more about that do you have a comment a comment on real estate mm-hmm we 
this is Escondido, if any of you are familiar with California at all. We're northeast of San Diego, about 30 miles, and there's about 120 population. And our church is about 400 to 450, including cats and dogs. And, uh, <laughs> we lost our building a couple years ago through just a bad deal. We'll go into that. So we are now in one of the public schools. We lease, hmm. not lease, I guess rent month to month, one of the public schools there. And it isn't in the center of the city, which is where our building was. We're kind of on the semi-fringe of the city and it is in a more up-to-do neighborhood. But that's an option. Yeah, and renting. Yeah, yeah you that's just good. rent a facility. It, it takes a lot more work because you can't leave your stuff out. Yeah. Except in the summertime. It's These, an option yeah, for that, those that are looking for real estate. Yes, renting, that's a great option. These comments have been great. Um, y'all, this is rich. Are y'all enjoying this? Yes. I hope you are, because this is good. Um, I'm going to move forward. i got a few more things I want to say, and time's going to get away from us. Um, so I'm going to argue now that I think there's seven, seven contextual issues that for, for there to be a city church that you're going to have to think through and you're going to have to deal with. We've already talked about a couple of them already, so I'll run through those quickly. But um, these are just these are part of being a good missionary is you gotta you gotta think through the culture in which you're in. So here's here's through seven seven issues that are that are present within urban areas. That if we're going to be urban missionaries, if we're going to be city churches, we've got we've got to think these things through. Number one, uh, it's pretty obvious uh, diversity. Uh, I already mentioned to you about our neighborhood. And, I mean, Fort Worth, Texas, is not the most diverse place in the world, right? Um, we're not like L.A. or New York. Or, um, but even within our own three-mile radius, there's African-American, white, Hispanic, Asian, refugees, Africans. I mean, we've got a lot. I mean, my daughter goes to neighborhood public school. She's got a friend from Afghanistan. She's got a friend from uh, Africa. I mean, in her school. And that's what's happening in urban areas everywhere. Uh, this is one of my favorite pictures here. We, uh, at our church, we do a turkey giveaway every Thanksgiving where we give away, give away turkeys and all the trimmings to our neighbors. They pay $5 and they get a turkey and we have about 250 families through that. Well, we had a college student from Texas Wesleyan University, a uh, college student who wanted to come help with that giveaway and the costume is from Mongolia. Huh. And he comes, and one of our neighbors who comes to get turkey is from Vietnam. So you have a Mongolian helping a Vietnamese celebrate an American holiday. <laughs> that kind of thing only happens at city churches, right? Um, and so we've got to think through diversity. We've got to think through how to handle that. And not just racial diversity, economic diversity. Which I would argue is tougher, and and we and there's a lot being talked about in regards to racial diversity and racial reconciliation, and I'm thankful for that. Um, we need to also be talking about economic diversity, and how do you bring together rich and poor? I have more in common with a Hispanic middle class man than I do a poor white man. Think about that. Um, and so, so what do we what do we do about this? Um, Three things. Number one, we need, to we need to become a community where everyone is welcome. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what your background is, you are welcome here. We say that in our church all the time. You are welcome here, whomever you are. Um, number two, we need to be a place that works for greater racial reconciliation. So we, the way, one way we've done that is we have a partner church that's a predominantly African-American church. We also have another partner church that's predominantly Hispanic. And we do things together. Uh, we, our youth groups do things together. We worship together. And out of that has spun a racial unity service. Uh, this past November, we had 1,400 people from 30 churches come together for racial unity service. Um, city churches should be a part of things like that. Because when you are a part of things like that, what happens is fear and suspicion goes down. That, that's what keeps the 
the fences up is fear and suspicion. And if you can lower that, then your church can start to be viewed as a safe place for people who are a different color. And I had a lady who just joined our church, single mom. She's biracial. She told me, she said, when I'm with black people, I feel like a white person. When I'm with white people, I feel like a black person. I don't feel like I fit in. She said, about your church, there's a lot of different kinds of people, and I feel like I fit in. And I'm like, yes, that's what we want. That's what the city church is going to be. Um, and then thirdly, we want to cultivate mutual reciprocity, okay? And, and I want to explain this by telling a story about a guy named Ted. So we have a food distribution ministry at our church and clothing distribution ministry, and there was this guy, Ted, a few years ago who came to get food. And he, he saw that I was there, I'm the preacher, and he knew that, and he said, I, I want to talk to the preacher. And whenever somebody says that, in that context, it's typically not a good thing because they're, they're wanting something financially. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And I said, well, what do you need? And he said, well, I want to talk to you alone. Like, this is going from bad to worse. You know? <laughs> like, okay, Ted, you know, so we, we find a, a room by ourselves. Ted, what do you, what do you want? You know? And uh, Ted says, well... I, I want to quote some scripture. Okay. So he starts quoting Psalm 23 and Psalm 100 and the Beatitudes and different parts of the Sermon on the Mount. He quotes a hundred scriptures in a row. <laughs> he finishes those scriptures and I said, okay, Ted, you know, what's next? He said, well, I want to sing. Okay, let's sing. And so we start, you know, two guys, we're singing Amazing Grace and a couple other hymns. And uh, we finished that. I said, oh, what else, Ted? He said, I want to pray. All right, well, so we, we pray together. And then we get done. And I'm like, okay, Ted, what is it you want? Ted said, I, I just wanted to have some fellowship and worship. <laughs> I thought Ted wanted something from me when Ted wanted to give him something. That's mutual reciprocity. It's realizing that it's not us and them. It's not, I'm up here because I'm wealthy and you're down here because you're poor. It's, no, we each have something we bring to the table. And I'm going to listen to you. And I'm going to share what I have and you're going to share what you have and we're, we're going to work together in this. I, I think that's part of the answer here. It's helping our churches realize everyone's got a gift to share. Um, and it's not me helping you it's neighbors, brothers, and sisters loving one another. Um, you know, James 2 talks about this, that you know, God has chosen the, the poor of this world to be rich in faith. And, and I've preached on that. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that the guy who's sleeping outside could be rich in faith? James says that's, that's true. And so mutual <coughs> reciprocity. Okay, I've got to move along here. Number two, injustice. There's injustice everywhere in every city or every town but in urban areas it is more pronounced here's what I mean by that uh, I mean I showed you in our neighborhood you go one mile to the west you will you will find 750,000 to a million dollar homes which in Fort Worth is a lot okay I know that's probably not a lot in California but Fort Worth that's a lot you go one mile to the east and you'll find dozens of people sleeping outside that's just within one mile of our building Okay, how do I reconcile that in my mind? That, that is so pronounced that, that it's hard for me to think that through. And so city churches have to wrestle with injustice because it's just, it's just in your face. It's not a theory. It's what's right outside your door. And I mean literally what's right outside your door. This is a guy named Elgin who is sleeping right outside our door. And... Uh, Look at this picture. Isn't this a great picture? Do you, what, what do you see right next to his little palette? An open Bible. God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. Um, but when you have people sleeping right outside your door, you've got to think through what does the gospel say about justice and mercy issues. And so I think a city church is going to be especially attuned to those <clears throat> issues. Um, and so how do we do that? 
we need to find ways to show mercy. We do food distribution. We do clothing distribution. Um, we uh, have a social worker in our building who provides emergency aid and emergency assistance. We have a community garden that's available for our community for people to stay or not sleep in, but at least to, to be during the day. And then number two, we need to advocate for the vulnerable and the downtrodden. So we need to be an advocate, a voice uh, for justice. We have right down the street from us, uh, an organization works with uh, domestic violence. We partner with them. Uh, we actually have someone who's a chaplain in that, in that organization that we help support. Um, city churches need to be about that because those issues are right on top of you in urban areas. Number three, uh, context. Um, this is something that, that I, I've been thinking through a little bit recently. I, I read a book called Why Cities Matter by Stephen Um and Justin Buzzard. And one thing he says in that book is that every city has a story. And so you need to spend time figuring out what is your city's story. <clears throat> and uh, he gives, he gives a, a few questions to ask. I want, I want to just mention these to you. He says, what is, says, number one, what is your city's history? What are your city's values? Number, number three, what are your city's dreams? Number four, what are your city's fears? And what is your city's ethos? Um, have you ever asked those questions about your city? Have I ever asked those questions about Fort Worth? What, what is Fort Worth's fears? What are Fort Worth's dreams? What is the ethos of Fort Worth? Um, they would argue you need to spend some time doing that because your city has a story and you need to learn that story and you need to be able to speak, in, speak into that story. And so uh, a city church is going to be one that learns about their city, understands her story, and then speaks out against the idols of that city. And I think, Mitchell, that goes back to what you were saying earlier that we have to speak some gospel truth. Um, you know, uh, we, we live in a city, I live in a city that as I mentioned earlier, really wants to separate itself, itself out from Dallas and make sure that it is independent and self-reliant. Well, does that always comport with the gospel? No. And so I need to speak out against that a little bit. And so learning the city's story and being able to speak out against the idols of the city is another part of it. So at our church, we've taken our staff and we've gone on tours of our city. We've met with city leaders. We've met with different uh, business leaders in the area. Uh, we've learned about new projects coming. I've gone to city council meetings. All of that to just learn the story of my city. Because as I learn it, then I can minister to it better. That's a part of the learning, loving, and embracing. Uh, number four, networks. One thing about city, it, cities is that there is, there's a lot of different uh, industries and a lot of different workers all in the same place at the same time. I, I can go to a networking event in my neighborhood and I'll be surrounded by real estate agents and bankers and engineers and architects and con construction workers and physicians and optometrists and all these different kinds of uh, marketers and uh, uh, graphic designers and ITV. I'm be surrounded by all these different kinds of people all in the same general location. And so a city church is going to tap into that. And we're going to see how can we network with people for the good of the kingdom. So this picture right here is of a, one of our senior members. His name is Mac. And he has his arm around a fifth grader from one of our neighborhood public schools uh, that's nearby. Uh, his name is Tyrese. Um, they were at our church. And I, I love this picture. It's such a sweet picture, isn't it? I mean arm in arm together, they're walking. Well, this picture happened because of networking. The neighborhood public school has a program with an organization called Academy Four, which is a leadership and mentoring program for fourth and fifth graders. They wanted to do a service project, so they sent the kids over to our church to help with our food distribution program, which is a connection with the food bank. That's like three or four agencies right there, all working together and if we weren't working together, that encounter would never have happened. So city churches are trying to find ways to work with other organizations to promote good works and kingdom ideals in the city. We're gonna, if there's a God-honoring action in the city, we want to be supportive of it. Now, we can't do everything, 
but we can do some things and we want to support that. So we're going to look at how we can work together with other organizations. Um, number five, starting to run out of time here. Unpredictability. Cities are chaotic, they're noisy, and they're stressful. And to illustrate this is this picture from Times Square in New York mm -hmm. that I took when I was very stressed out. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people, there's a lot of billboards, there's videos, screens, there's a lot of stores. There's that, it's a stressful environment. And, and cities are that way. There, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of stress. And, and because of that, um, there can be unpredictability. And so one thing we talk a lot about at our church is um, you need to be flexible. You need to be open to whatever comes your way. On a given Sunday, on a given day, you just need to be ready for what God has in store for that day. So, you know, I have had a day just the other day where a lady knocked on the door and she went to see the preacher and so she sits down with me and first words out of her mouth are, I'm hearing voices, I think they're of Satan, and I need to know how can I be sure that God is stronger than Satan. You know, a simple, hi, what is your name would have been nice from her, you know. <laughs> um, you know, one, I wrote a blog article a couple months ago entitled Mormons, Refugees, and Addicts. Because on one Sunday morning, we had a whole group of addicts. We have an addiction ministry that were present in the assembly. I had a refugee that was sitting on the front row from Uganda who was seeking asylum in America. And then while I was preaching, there were two well-dressed men in suits that walked to the front. I'm thinking, what are these guys getting ready to do? <laughs> Turned out they were Mormon elders. And they heard about our ministry to the deaf, and they wanted to check it out. So on a given Sunday, there were Mormons, refugees, and addicts in our church. <laughs> you know, being flexible and open to the Spirit of God, and at the same time, finding stability in the anchor of God's promises. So in the chaos and the stressfulness of an urban area, a city church should be a place where you can find some stability in knowing that God, God's promises are true. Uh, number six, uh, loneliness. People move to cities, a lot of times leaving their families behind, maybe because they're coming to, for, a, for a job or coming to study, and so they can feel lonely. We're seeing a tremendous rise right now among teenagers with suicide. Um, in fact, this uh, deal right here, Cook Children's Medical Center had 187 suicide attempts, children 10 to 18. That's a hospital in, in our neighborhood. And so in our neighborhood, every two days, a teenager's attempting suicide. So that, that speaks to the loneliness and depression of the city. And so a city church is going to be aware of that. And a city church is going to be a place that offers open arms and says, come here and you'll find family. You might have left your family. You might have been displaced from them. Here you can be family. And number two... Um, we're going to provide opportunities for relationships to develop. And then lastly, uh, real estate. We've talked about real estate, um, that you've got to be creative in your use of real estate. I'm going to move on to this slide right here. Um, we need to find creative use of space for the purposes of ministry. We need to share our space with others. So those of us that have buildings, we need to use them. Not just on Sunday, but all throughout the week. In fact, uh, our city council city council person called me one time he said I want to have a neighborhood meeting in your building and he said the reason why I want to have it in your building and not the church down the street is because y'all don't put up parking lots that sit still for six days a week I'm like wow your neighbors notice if your building is sitting vacant for six days and they say that's an eyesore on our, our neighbor because real estate is really important and if we're not using the real estate then it's a drag on the community and so We've tried to make an intentional effort to use our building in many different ways, partnering with the school district, partnering with nonprofit organizations, so you can use this space. If it's a good thing, if it's going to help the community, you can use this space. And that's brought a lot of a good will in the community. All right, so I'm winding down. Um, we've talked about city churches, what, they, what that means and how we need city churches, and we've talked about these seven key issues 
that if we're going to be a city church, we're going to have to think through these seven issues. Now, you might be thinking, like Mitchell said earlier, how do I lead my church to engage the mission and to become this city church? How do I, I see the issues. How do I help our church become a, a church that is for the city, that is learning and loving and embracing the city? Well, come back tomorrow, and we will talk just about that.